Good morning, everybody. Of course, in the last second, there's always a mic problem. My little fuzzy thing fell off here, Barry, so hopefully you hear me okay. Uh, my name is Kevin, and I serve here as the small group's pastor. And uh, we're in a series uh, called Storyline. And uh, our, our series is the story of God from his cre- uh, creation in the beginning of Genesis to eternity at the end of the book of, of Revelation in the Bible. And today is uh, a chapter uh, that is the climax. It's the pinnacle. It is the centerpiece of the whole story. Today, uh, we are talking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So, uh, in a bit of a summary, our story begins in a way that most Judeo-Christian world is familiar with, and yet we also need to recognize is a little bit weird. So, to us, it's pretty familiar, I hope, in the beginning, God created. Not multiple gods, not through war in, in, in the heavens, not through ooze or space dust, not through some endless cycle that continues, but we believe that God created from nothing, simply by speaking the world into existence. And his creation, like all artists, reflect who he is. Creation reveals his character. And humans were created with the ability to relate to one another, to God, to creation, and to themselves. And so the first chapter of the story can be summarized as creation and relationship. The second chapter in the story is about how humanity broke off this relationship with God. The word sin enters. This this word has, has roots in an archery term. Means missing the mark. And this chapter of the story continues in our world today as humanity continues to miss the mark of God's perfect standard. Chapter 3. But God's bigger than our sinfulness. And he wants the relationship to be restored. And so he made a promise to restore the relationship with his creation. And he started with Abram and told him that his descendants would have a key part in his story, and these people became known as the Israelites. God provided some guidelines to protect his people, the Israelites. These laws, in chapter 4, provided direction for how to live with one another and how to live with God. And like a loving parent, God provided boundaries and consequences for his children to learn his ways. Chapter 5 But God's people continued to go their own way, to make their own decisions. They rebelled. They wanted a king like the other nations had. God in his grace allows them a king, but these kings continue the pattern of rebellion. And even though God speaks through his prophets, calling his people to follow God's ways, they continued to do what they wanted, and as a result, they suffered the consequences of their actions. The Jews were overtaken by other countries, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and eventually the Romans. And that is where we pick up today's story. The people of Israel are living uh, in their own land. They're back in their own land, but they're ruled by Rome. And the Israelites are desperate for their freedom from the Romans. 
And as all desperate children end up doing when they're not happy, they resort to, you promised. God, you promised that we would be a nation. God, you promised that we would have freedom. God, you promised that we would be powerful and that we would be famous. You promised that you would send a savior. And this continues. People looking constantly for the savior to come, the Messiah to come, to set them free from the Romans, to provide them freedom in their own land. After 400 years of silence, God breaks into the world to fulfill his promise with a baby. I don't need to remind many of you that Christmas is coming. Some of you already, you don't need any encouragement. Your trees are already up. I know this. And yet, I must say that yes, we have much to celebrate with Christmas. This is the answer that Jesus comes into the world as a baby. John 1.14 says it as the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, the author ends up entering into his own story. The artist enters into his own painting. The creator enters into his own creation through Jesus. John continues on in uh, chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace, the theme of, of today that we're talking about, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. God comes to fulfill his promise to restore the broken relationship and to clean up the mess that humanity has made. This is called grace. I'll tell you the story about Jesus a little bit more, but first we need to understand this word, grace. It's a beautiful word. If you look in the dictionary, it means free and unmerited favor. Unearned merit, a free gift. In our, our society, it, we're, we're, we're so transactional. An unearned gift feels like a scam. It's a phone call that you get and you kind of wonder if you're going to win a cruise. Grace is a tough word for us to accept or to understand. But it's a good word and it's one that I want us to think deeper about because it'll help us better understand the whole story of God. So, to understand grace, let me tell you a parallel story. And hopefully this will illustrate God's story in, in some very simple terms. It is a story about chocolate milk. Mm. You like Christmas. I like chocolate milk. So, up on the screen... Meet Jake and his mom. Jake loves nothing more than sharing a nice cold glass of chocolate milk with his mom on the kitchen table. The world to Jake seems complete and perfect when he, has, and when he is drinking chocolate milk with his mom. But Jake is still too young to serve himself 
His mom has told him not to take chocolate milk off of the shelf of the fridge without asking. And one day, in spite of his mother's warnings, Jake can simply not resist. Jake wants the chocolate milk, so he decides to do it his own way. As you can guess, the chocolate milk falls to the ground and a mess is made. Now, for the sake of the mothers in the room, there is no picture of this. Just the trauma I know would just send you flying. I'll, let, I'll leave it up to your own imagination. It didn't just hit the floor and make a puddle, a nice clean puddle. It splattered all over the cupboards. And you know that this chocolate milk is everywhere. This is not a story about Jake. Jake really has very little concept of, of what's going on here. All he knows is that mom is now upset. We're going to pause the story with this. Mom coming around the corner and seeing the mess. Mom is entering the story. Jake is there. The mess is there. And we'll pause in that, in that moment. For us to understand grace... I think we need to connect it with other attributes to understand it. And this is a very simplified understanding here. But mom has some options in this story. So first option would be our, our, what I call the Western view of, judge, of justice. And I, I say Western because it, it, biblical justice would look different. But this helps us understand it. Our, our view of justice is that you get what you deserve. You make the mess. You clean it up. You do the crime, you do the time. So that's option number one that mom has in this situation. Option number two, you don't get what you deserve. You make the mess, but you don't have to clean it up. Very loving response, Jake makes the mess, but mom ends up cleaning it up. That would be mercy. So we have Justice, where you get what you deserve. You have mercy, where you don't get what you deserve. And then you have grace. That I'll describe as you get what you don't deserve. You make the mess, but you still get the chocolate milk. Jake makes the mess, but him and mom end up in the end sharing a glass of chocolate milk. Unrealistic for most moms to even get their mind around. The concept of grace is a hard one. We'll talk about this a bit more, but think of mercy and grace as two sides of the same coin. The coin is called love. Mercy is on one side of it, grace is on the other. And in today's story, a loving parent shows both sides of love, mercy and grace. So, back to our story. Mom has some options. Justice. Jake learns about cleanup. He gets what he deserves. He deserves a punishment. He spends the afternoon cleaning it up. No chocolate milk. And as we looked in, at our story, we see that God is just. The Israelites were disobedient. They followed false gods and were punished by being exiled. I think it's safe to say 
that parents do need to do this to their kids. Kids need to recognize that there are consequences. But what do you do when the child is totally incapable of cleaning up their own mess? There's no way that all the mess is going to get cleaned up. It actually could make more of a mess to have Jake clean up the chocolate milk, to have humanity try to clean up our own mess. As we look uh, at God's deeper response to humanity and as we go back to creation, we see that there is a deeper response of mercy. Jake, in this story, is saved from the consequence. He should have to clean it up. It's his mess, but he's incapable. He's, he's too young. But mom, in her mercy, ends up stepping in and taking the consequence on herself. Jake doesn't get what he deserves. In the biblical story, that is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. From the beginning, God was clear that there is, there is consequence for disobedience. The consequence was death. Separated relationship. The mess, though, has to be cleaned up for the relationship to be restored. But instead of humanity doing the cleanup, God steps in in the person of Jesus. He comes in to humanity's story. He takes the consequence. The consequence is death and Jesus dies on a cross to save us from sin. That is mercy. That is one side of the coin. But even mercy is incomplete in this example. What about the chocolate milk? What about Jake's desire for chocolate milk with his mom? It's a good desire. It's a relational connection that Jake needs, that connection with his mom. And this is where the third option comes in. This is the option of grace. Jake gets what he doesn't deserve. Chocolate milk with mom. Even though he disobeyed, his mom takes the consequence and cleans up the mess, the mercy. And then still gave Jake what he longed for and they sit down together and they share a nice cold glass of chocolate milk. In the story of God and humanity, what's the chocolate milk that humanity desires? What is the, the free and undeserved favor, the gift that we as humanity receive even though we're the ones who make the mess? What is it that we ultimately wanted, but then approached in the wrong way? So let's put it this way. This is part of the story. If Jesus dying on the cross was in place of us, he ended up cleaning up our mess. He took our consequence for sin. And that's the one half, the mercy. But we believe that then Jesus rose again. He did not stay dead. That's the other half of the coin. That's the grace. But what, this is another way of asking the question, what do we get from the resurrection? What is the chocolate milk with mom? What is the original desire? So, as you think about that, in the beginning, 
God and humanity had a perfect relationship together in the garden. Jake and his mom shared chocolate milk together. It was one of the things that they loved. But when Adam sinned, or when Jake disobeyed his mom, the relationship was broken and there were significant consequences. As Paul reflects on this a few years after Jesus, the Apostle Paul writes it this way, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Now, in, we know from the story that in God's mercy, we are spared from that. We're spared from it. Jesus took the death, the mercy of God. Paul continues then. But the gift, the free gift, the unmerited favor of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is our chocolate milk. Life, eternal life, life with God. That is the gift, that is the grace that we receive. Forgive me, all analogies break down here eventually. But the gift, the grace that we receive is life. Eternal life. Humans, as humans, we desire eternal life. It's what so many movies are made after. Only by God's grace can we have the life that we desire. We deserved to die. We spilt the chocolate milk. But God knew that this would happen. And he stepped in and he cleaned up the mess through Jesus on the cross. And he rose again. So that we could have eternal life with Christ. If this kind of sounds familiar, there's a very familiar Bible passage that many people know or have heard of. It's John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In John chapter 11, there's a story of a man named Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, who dies. And Jesus says to Martha, Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha replies, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. This is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is resurrection and life. He came into the world and takes the consequences of sin, the death on himself for us. And as we believe this, we also see the other side of the coin. We see the grace. And are united with him in his resurrection. We receive the gift of eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So the question comes to how do we respond to this offer of eternal life? So the story continues here with with Jake. What does Jake do with the milk? His mom's cleaned up the mess, and his mom is now offering him a glass of chocolate milk. 
Does Jake say, no, I, I, I don't really want it anymore? Yeah. After the whole spilled milk incidents, Jake still has a decision to make. His mom has done all the work and has a cold glass of chocolate milk waiting for him. And yet, all he needs to do is accept it. All he needs to do is take, accept his mom's grace and receive the chocolate milk. Unfortunately, our, our parents, our society, uh, shape our view of God. And sometimes this is in a negative way. And so I know that some people hear God after doing all this work, kind of with a demeaning tone in the, in the story here, saying, now say you're sorry. Did you do wrong? Kind of holding out the chocolate milk in front of the child. Would you like the chocolate milk? Would you like eternal life? Would you? Would you? Well, then you need to admit that you're wrong. You need to admit that you disappointed mommy, that you'll never do it again. You need to use the right words. You need to say it like you mean it. If that's the tone in your head of what God ends up saying, that isn't the loving God of the Bible. Jesus accepts the mess and offers you life, no strings attached. Grace is a free gift. And like any gift, it just needs to be accepted. God still gives us a choice of accepting his gift. It's a gift that seems too good to be true, but because God loves us more than we can comprehend, all we need to do is accept it and enjoy the restored relationship with God. But I know there's still cynics out there, and they are wondering, yeah, but it's a bait and switch, right? What is life like for Jake after he accepts the chocolate milk? Will his, fum, will his mom force him to have chocolate milk with him on Sundays? Does he have to go to chocolate milk school for years to learn how it's made? Does he need to tell his sister about chocolate milk even though his sister doesn't like it? Does he need to brag to his friends about the chocolate milk at school even though his buddies will laugh at him? Okay, I'm pushing the analogy a little far here. I get it. But it's a fair question. What happens after receiving this gift of eternal life? My chapter's done. You have to wait for the next couple of weeks. I'd love to say that. I'd love to just be like, yeah, stick around next week. I'll give you what's coming in the next two weeks. The final chapter is eternity. Now, this is one that is a kind of natural conclusion here. Our bodies are, may die, but we will be raised to life and live eternally with God. This is, this is what we see in the book of Revelation. God conquers evil, and we don't need to fear death because of life because we recognize that there is life after our life here on earth. So that's awesome. We get to, get to go to heaven is part of the answer. But what does that mean for today? In this life, eternal life starts now. Eternal life starts upon receiving the gift of God. How does resurrection of Jesus impact us in this life? And this is where... Next week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about life in the church. Life is fully lived in the power of the Spirit. Life is fully lived in unity with believers in the church. Life is fully lived as we tell others the good news of Jesus. 
You won't have to hear my story. You'll hear other stories in the next coming weeks. We have baptisms in a couple of weeks. We have a couple of membership testimonies of people that have chosen to follow Jesus and want to walk together in the life of the church in the next couple of weeks. For today, I think we simply need to rest and enjoy the relationship that we can have with a loving God. Recognizing our identity as his child. Allowing him to heal your wounds. Speaking to you about the experience of how you can receive his mercy and his grace. The gift of eternal life means that we don't need to fear death. It means that we have hope. And Jesus' gift is for everyone. We simply need to believe. I'll call up the worship team and uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we've sung about this, about your goodness, about that it is all about you. Jesus, we thank you for your death and for your resurrection. We thank you that relationship with you is restored because of Jesus. We thank you that you are the one who cleans up the mess and that we end up receiving eternal life. Jesus, thank you that you are so big and that you, you in the, uh, have thought of this long before. That since the dawn of creation, you knew that this is what would need to happen. And Jesus, I pray that we would receive that again and again. That we would constantly be receiving your mercy and your grace. Jesus, for those cynics in the room, for those cynics online who are just wondering what this would be like, Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to them and drawing them to you. Jesus, we trust in you. We thank you for the work that you have done on the cross. We thank you that you did not stay dead, but that you rose again and you have defeated death. We praise you in your name, Jesus. Amen.